trust and pray is the, the idea that we are talking about today. But before I get there, I want to recap again what we talked about last week, which if you remember, it was Memorial Day weekend. And so we were honoring our troops in the idea that we were talking about no man left behind. And, and I kind of twisted that to say no one left behind and how the church needs to work towards reaching all people and how, how we need to have the motto in our own head of no one gets left behind. And if you remember, I had three action words that started with the letter R that kind of helped us remember that it was respect. We, we respect God uh, and the value that he places on people. And then we restore we work on restoring people, and then we rejoice. We have a party. We, we are happy that people came to Christ. We are happy that they returned to Christ. We, we show the, the true enthusiasm and appreciation for who they are. And we had then, for those who were able to join us after church, a celebration. And we had our own little party. We celebrated the end of a year. We, we did our you know, little church business and stuff. And then we talked about what was going into the future. And if you remember, I warned a lot of you. I said, we're going to be trying some things. We're going to do some experiments. We're going to be finding a way to reach out into the communities that we have around us. But that requires a lot of trying. And it requires us to be okay with the fact that we might also have some failure. Failure is a very difficult thing for us. Failure is something that we, we don't like. It's hard and, and it causes fear within us. And so we have to be careful when we talk about failure because many times failure is something that we see as a negative, something that we want to steer clear of, and we see failure as going backwards. Now, it, I struggled with failure. I've struggled with failure a lot in many different ways. Uh, but I remember my time in Discount Tire, the, the failure that I worked with a lot was working with people. Um, when I was there, the big push that they had was help people understand the relationship of their tires and their cars to their safety. We didn't want to just sell tires. We wanted to educate people about their vehicles. Someone who's driving a, an $80,000 sports car needs very different kinds of tires than someone who's driving a minivan. You know, there's different needs and there's different desires, and we want to help people to educate them so that they could actually make a knowledgeable choice, not just listen to a sales pitch. And this was hard for me because... Well, it's not that I didn't like people. It's not that I didn't want to see them be safe. It's not that I didn't want to tell them the truth. I love telling the truth. It's kind of a requirement for our pastor, don't you think? Or, or for any Christian, really, to tell the truth. But it was hard because some people only saw me as a salesman. They only saw me as someone who wanted to sell the tires. And that was so difficult. I remember this one person that they came in and we were talking and I asked them, because one of the things that they trained us on was, ask them, how do you feel in your car? Do you feel safe driving your car? Because that will tell you what they perceive. And then you can work from there. And so I asked this person, how, how, how do you feel driving your car? Do you feel safe? Oh, yeah, I, f I feel really safe. All right, well, let's go take a look at your vehicle. And we went and we did the inspection, and I noticed on the inside of her tires, it was wearing to the point where the steel beads were showing. 
If you know anything about tires, you shouldn't see metal where there should be rubber, okay? Uh, the the rubber is supposed to be a casing the metal. If you see metal, there's an issue. And if you see metal on your tires, please go get it checked uh, because it's not good. That that makes a very quick boom. <laughs> and uh, so I, I saw that and I drew that to her to the person's attention. And and when we went inside, when we were talking and stuff, I said, "Your tires really aren't safe." And this person went off. Don't tell me those lies. Don't tell me that they're not safe. You just want to sell more tires. You don't care about anything. And, and they storm out of the store. And I'm thinking, I, I, I showed you. I, I showed you. We talked about it. And yet, you're, you're still upset. Rejection and failure in that way is very hard. Now, imagine that happening once to you. Now, imagine having that happen three, five, ten times a day and you work five days a week. <laughs> Pretty soon you begin to say, do I really want to go through this again? Do I really want to tell this person so then they can yell at me and tell me I don't know what I'm talking about and that I, I'm just trying to sell them on stuff? Do I really want to be yelled at and scolded? And so it's very difficult, but it was necessary because it was their safety. And so a lot of times you had to put up with the failure and rejection to try to keep people safe. Now, of course, this segments into Christian life so beautifully, or else I wouldn't have told you any of it. Uh, the, the Christian life, we also have to deal with rejection. We want to keep people safe. We have the truth. We know that there is only one way to heaven. There is only one way to be saved, and that requires salvation in Christ. And we know that people need to hear this. And yet, there will be people who will reject us. There will be people who will deny us, and, and we will feel as if we are a failure. And that is so hard for us to work through. Some days we say, is it really worth it? Should I say this? Because I know if I bring this up, that person is just going to ridicule me. That person is just going to reject me. But yet we need to. We need to learn how to, as I, I said uh, yesterday in our, our planning meeting, fail forward. Because failure is not a bad thing. When we allow failure to cause us to stop, cause us to go backwards, then it's a bad thing. But if we learn how to fail forwards, other words, learning how to fail in a way that is healthy, that we can learn to grow, ask the questions, well, why did this fail? What can we do differently to not have this fail again? Those are ways that you fail in a way that is good and healthy. And so this is what we're going to talk about today. And, and really, I believe that it comes down to the fact that to avoid failing in the bad way, it comes down to trust and prayer, trusting and praying, which I know for, for many of you may sound like a stock answer. It's kind of like when, when a Sunday school teacher says something, you say, Bible, Jesus, church. Oh, well, yeah, okay, that, yeah, you probably got the right answer if you said Jesus, but, but go in depth. And I, I'm sorry, but trusting and praying really is the core of of this, and I'm going to explain more of that, but I, I just don't want to lose you in this kind of stock answer. Um, so if you can, I ask that you please turn to Acts. We'll be looking at chapter 16, 
verses 6 through 10. And if, uh, if you're familiar with this section, this is where Paul is go- going on his second missionary trip. And he had just had a really hard time because he just split up with Barnabas. Best friend, the guy, the guy who vouched for him in the first place, the guy who got him into the church. And they had a disagreement because Barnabas wanted to bring along, along John Mark, who had abandoned them previously, and he said, I don't want that loser with me. And so they fought and argued, and then they split off, and Paul takes Silas and Timothy along with him instead. And so he's already kind of starting his second missionary journey on a sour note, a, a bittersweet note. But he, he goes on anyways, and he has this vision, and he's saying, I want to go into Asia. I want to spread the gospel into Asia, so that's where I'm going to go. And that's where we pick up today in Acts chapter 16, verses 6 through 10. If you are able, I ask that you please stand for the reading of God's word today. It says, They went through the region of Phygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. When they had come opposite Mycenae, they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mycenae, they went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision. There stood a man of Macedonia pleading with him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision, he immediately tried to cross over to Macedonia, being convinced that God had called us to proclaim the good news to them. This is the word of God for the people of God. And together we say, thanks be to God. You may be seated. Heavenly Father, as we journey with Paul today, as we journey in our own lives, as we look at failure and we look at how to fail in a positive way and how to to move forward in light of new directions, I, I pray, Father, that you might guide us through your Holy Spirit to understand and to accept what it is that you are trying to teach us. It is in your name we pray. Amen. I don't normally uh, use a map. Did I not put the map in there? I did not. I'm sorry. I, I had a map. I had it planned, and it must have not made it. Uh, I wanted to, to demonstrate for you where he was trying to go. If you look here, I'll, I'll create a map because that's what they taught us in college because you don't always have a map, obviously. Um, this, is, this is Israel right here. Down here is Egypt. You have the Mediterranean Sea. And then as you journey up through here, you begin to get into the part that is now-in-day Turkey. This is where Paul wanted to go. He wanted to go up through Turkey into Asia, which really isn't Asia. It's more like the Middle Eastern, upper Middle Eastern Russian area. But that was Asia for them today. And he wanted to go up there to spread the word of God. But as he went up, and he was trying to do ministry, the Holy Spirit rejected him. And so then he had to go down, and he ended up going down into Greece and Athens, and then followed that back to Jerusalem. And so he had a direction, he had a heading, and then it shifted away, and he wasn't allowed to go into where he wanted to be. This is kind of the whole problem when it comes to us trying to do things because there's right and wrong and we can be both at the same time and this is what makes ministry sometimes very difficult because we we believe that we're going in the right direction and yet we find that we are wrong in the direction that we want to go because many times we deal with this idea that we want to minister 
to all. We want to help everyone. Verse 7 sums it up nicely when he says, we had come opposite Mycenae, and, and then they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit, of God, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. They had this plan. They had it all ready to go. They had raised their funds, sent out their little missionary pamphlets, and visited all the churches to raise the support, and they were going, and it didn't work out. And Paul had to wrestle with this idea that I want to minister to all the people. I want to help them. I, I, I feel this compulsion, and that's a good thing because we know that we are supposed to reach everyone. We know that no one is excluded from the saving grace of Christ. But we cannot reach everyone. We physically cannot reach everyone. And so while we are called to reach everyone, we have to look at it from a much larger perspective of the church is called to reach everyone. The large church, the global church, not just this church, which I'm very grateful for because if we had to try to find a way to send all you over to, to Japan to do missionaries, it would be, it'd be tricky. Or to put you over in the Middle East or to put you up in uh, Africa. It would be a logistical nightmare to try to fund that and train you all and, and get off work. I don't know if Walmart really adds a, a holiday pay for, for going on missionary trips, you know? So, so we have some logistics that we'd have to work out, but praise be to God, it's not just us. And so instead, we need to work with an idea that we reach only these. And realistically, I should put these in parentheses because these is a number of different people, a number of different areas. For us, I look at these as being Berrien County. Berrien County is the place that we are called to reach. So many of us are in that area of some way, shape, or form. And so we have these people all throughout that we meet and live with shop with, work with. And so we turn our attention then to these people. And realistically, Paul understood this. And this is where I kind of have to chuckle to myself because Paul wrote, wrote in his own letters, Peter, he's sent to the Jews. I am sent to the Gentiles. He understood that there's a separation of who he was made to reach versus who other Christians were made to reach, and yet the desire to share the word of God made it that much more difficult to realize that, you know what, I can't go up into Asia, I have to go down into Greece and Rome. We need to learn when to refer. Doctors are really good at this. I, I got this training when I was doing uh, counseling classes, and, and he made, my, my professor made it mandatory that we remember, know when to refer. When I worked with Discount Tire, we had to know when to refer because we are not experts in every field. We don't know everything. And so you need to learn when to refer someone to someone who has greater knowledge than you in that situation. There's times where we might want to help someone. We desperately want to tell them about Jesus, but we are not the ones qualified to help. And so we must then refer them to someone else. Importantly, though, is that we need to start. 
Paul didn't sit around waiting for this idea of going into Greece instead of Asia before he started going. He started going in a direction. He started with a movement, and then as he continued going forward, that's when he began to discover more about the direction that he was supposed to be going in the first place. And this is what we need to do as well. We can't just sit around waiting to try to figure out the entire plan before we do anything, because we'll be waiting a really long time, because even the best laid plans don't work. Even the most well-thought-out ideas and, and, and trips don't always happen the way that they're supposed to. Weather comes up or, or something happens, the plane is delayed and you can't go where you're supposed to go or you leave at the time you're supposed to leave. It happens. And so you just have to kind of start and begin figuring it out as you go. One of the hardest things for me as I grew up was uh, understanding why there are so many churches and I remember asking my parents, why is there so many churches? Now, for context, in Midland, there's a street that has the nickname Church Street because in about a six-block lane of this road, you have about 10 or 15 churches. Like, I'm, I'm not kidding you. There, there, it is Church Street. You have churches blocked up right along each other. And it's ridiculous. And I, I just remember asking my mom, why are there so many churches? Well, that was when I was young, and, and, and I thought that it should be easy for just the, the body of Christ to go, join together as one church and, and make everything. And, and I believe that there has to be the unity. But I've also learned as I've grown that there is a sense of diversity within the body of Christ that has to be celebrated as well. There are people who need larger churches. There are people who need smaller churches. There are people who need traditional churches. There are people who need contemporary churches. There are people who need churches that celebrate the fact that you once were a drug addict. You need a church that celebrates the fact that you were once uh, uh, dealing with this issue or that issue. And, and there's a diversity in this that opens up the paradigm for many churches to reach many different kinds of people. Because we can't reach everyone just who we are. It would be kind of hard for us to reach Hispanic people because I think altogether many of us might only speak three or four words of Spanish, right? <laughs> Fair to say. <laughs> or we can go out even further and say, okay, we're going to try to reach a Chinese culture and so we have to learn Mandarin. Or you, you begin to see how it becomes difficult for us to reach everyone. And so we celebrate the fact that there are many churches to reach many different people and we focus in on the people that we ourselves then are called to reach. So we then have to trust the direction we have to trust the direction that God is sending us. And this is, this is where I, I appreciate Paul. Because as Timothy, uh, it's often believed that Timothy wrote this, this or, uh, sorry, Luke wrote this. As, as he was journeying with them, he, he says, when we had seen the vision, we immediately tried to cross over to Macedonia, being convinced that God had called us to proclaim the good news to them. They were fine, they were set on Asia, they were doing everything, and then all of a sudden, the direction changed, and they say, yep, okay, we're on board and we're going. He was trusting the direction that God was sending him, and, and this is where we have to understand that God has his own process. 
He has his own way of working. He has his own way of, of figuring out where people should fit in. Now, was Paul a good preacher? Yes, he was a great preacher. Could he have done great things in Asia? Oh, most definitely. But it was not for him to go into that area. We don't know exactly why. Maybe the people would not have accepted him the same way that others were accepted. Or maybe that the people were not ready at that time to hear as the people who were in Greece. We do not know, but we have to trust that God has his process working. And this comes true even within our own lives. Because we'll start in a direction and, and we, we start to believe that we have this thing that's working and all of a sudden it will shift and we have to say, okay, so what is the direction that we are going? Why is it that we are going in this way? Maybe it's to help train us. A lot of the minuscule jobs that I had as a, as a teenager, I thought, why am I doing this? And now that I'm older, I look and I say, oh, well, I picked up that skill, and I picked up that skill, and I learned how to do that because I worked all these minuscule jobs. And I didn't know the direction at the time was leading me to be able to do something better. And so often that is what then we have to accept within our own lives. We have to accept the fact that there is an unknown. That, that within us, we have to do things out of faith and trust. That God is preparing us for something that we don't necessarily see yet. God is working within our hearts, or he's working within the hearts of the people that we're supposed to minister to, that then lead us to this direction that brings about a greater growth. And so it becomes difficult then because we, we have in our minds, but I'm going here, I know these people, and, and we have to surrender a bit of our own will even though we think we know the direction, even though we think we know what is good for us or bad for us to do, it is then God who is saying, look, you need to go here. You need to do this. And it was, it was one, one of the biggest things that I, I discovered this in myself was as a youth pastor, the, the place that we were serving at the time did not make sense. My parents told me not to take the job because they could not see why it would be good for me. And then years later, they said, yeah, it actually worked out really well. We didn't see this at the time. We didn't understand how it was working to help you along the path. And I said, well, I didn't either. I was just, I was just trusting the fact that God would knew what he was doing and I was going in the direction that I need to go. But you can often look back at your life and say, because I went here, because I talked to this person, because I did this thing, all of a sudden I'm on this path that I would not have been on before. Trust is difficult. It's even more difficult when we go off the beaten path, the direction that we had in our minds, and go off into a new direction that is unknown to us, a direction that is unfamiliar, but we have to trust that God has his reasoning. God has his purpose for it. And we need to have the confidence that Paul had, that when God changed the direction, he said, yep, okay, and that's what we are doing. Instead of always wanting to fight it. Finally, I believe that we need to pray through the process. Paul, I have no doubt, spent many days, many nights in prayer. Even here, during the night, Paul, he has a vision 
of the man in Macedonia begging him, come over and help us. This prayerful life is something that we need to have within us to help us move forward in light of failure, in light of these direction changes, in light of these times where we think we're going in one way and now we find we're going somewhere else. It starts with prayer. It's kind of easy right there. You know you have to kind of start things in prayer. You, you don't start a meal before you pray. You don't, you don't start a journey before you pray. You, we, we've kind of built within our own habits that as we start something, we pray over it. That's simple, to start in prayer. But then we have to live in prayer. This is where it becomes more challenging because it's easy to begin, begin by saying, Lord, we have this direction, we have this focus, we have this game plan. Bless us, help us, make this prosperous, make it wonderful. And then you start going. But if Paul had done that, he would have been praying, saying, Lord, I know you want me to help people. I know that you're, you're sending me in a direction, so uh, bless me and, and help me to be safe and as I journey along. I'm going up into Asia, and this is what I'm doing. Amen. And he goes off. And if he doesn't then live in prayer, as he's working up into Asia, he could have spent years and years frustrated in trying to reach the people in Asia because he stopped praying at the beginning. He didn't live a life of prayer where every day he's saying, Lord, is this the direction that you're wanting me to go? Lord, are these the people that you're wanting me to reach out to? And then he would become so frustrated that he might have even given up altogether because it wasn't the place that he was supposed to be. But by living in prayer, we allow ourselves to be directed in new paths that God has even if it changes from what we originally thought it was supposed to be. And so we have to live in a state of saying, Lord, is this still the direction? Lord, are these still the people? Lord, is this still the way that you want us to minister? Is this the way that you want us to reach out? And then, of course, we, we accept the answer, right? That's part of prayer. We're, we're praying for an answer. We're praying for direction. When you get that, Accept it, right? Seems kind of straightforward, but often, yet again, we, we want to argue because if it's an answer that we necessarily don't like or we don't necessarily understand, we want to hold back and we want to say, but God, are you sure? Kind of like that person at Discount Tire. Um, yeah, you're telling me that I'm not safe. You're telling me that those tires aren't good for me, but I'm not really sure about that. Well, I, I've worked with tires for years. You didn't know that your car had this issue. Uh, can you trust me, please? Can, can, you just an can you accept the answer that I gave you? You, you? you want me to keep you safe. So when I say you're not safe, you need to say, okay, well, what do I have to do to keep you safe? Answer that we accept. Don't be fearful when you pray for something and you get an answer. Rejoice. Be glad that God answered you and live with that answer. Well, I can honestly say that I would not be here today if it was not for this process that Paul walked. I would not be in this building. I would not be doing what I'm doing now if it was not for the, the same thing that Paul did. And this is something that I find utterly amazing as I look back. Because when we started our work in DeWitt, we prayed, we started in prayer, 
<laughs> we prayed a lot because we were taking a big leap of faith and we were saying, Lord, we're going in this direction. I hope, I hope it's going to work. We're taking a lot of risks. And we prayed and we prayed. And I remember looking at Amy and I said before we had moved, I want to stay here only as long as the Holy Spirit allows. If, like Paul, the Spirit says no and he closes the door, I want us to be ready to give up this dream that I have and move in the direction that he leads. Because I, I don't want to be in a ministry going in a direction that I'm not called to go or to be in. Because it only does me harm, it does the people that I'm ministering to harm, and it makes us all frustrated. And I had a, I had a dream, I had a vision of, of planting 30 churches between St. Saint, Joseph DeWitt area all the way up to Alma. Because there's a whole bunch of towns that didn't have churches. Because they were just small towns. And they couldn't afford to have churches. They couldn't afford to have pastors. But I said, no, we could do it. We could create these, these organic churches that could reach out. And I had a plan for 30 churches all throughout that area. And it was a beautiful direction. And we started going and we started working. And then there was a day that something changed. And I prayed about it and I prayed about it and I spent a lot of nights praying about it. God had shifted our direction. And he started to put this church on our hearts. Before Reverend Hardy had ever presented me to the board, I was praying for this church because God had shifted our focus down here instead of up there. And I didn't understand that. I really was kind of frustrated with it because I had poured three years into trying to make this work. But I said, okay, God, if this is the direction you want, then let's do it. It's an, it's an amazing thing when you give up that control and you just trust and pray. Because all of a sudden you find yourself going in a direction that, that brings new life, that brings new passion, brings excitement. And we don't always know what's going to happen from it. I know some of you are all still shaking your heads about me, and that's okay. I'm still shaking my head about myself too. But it's, it's this, this idea that, yeah, we are going in a direction. And this church had a direction, and it continues to have these directions, and we will continue to find these directions. And we're going to continue to trust and pray through the paths that we take so that we can continue to be on the right one. So that, like Paul, if God moves us away from Asia into Greece, we can go. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we, as we learn how to trust and pray, as we learn how to accept the fact that while we want to save everyone, we can only be called to these people, I pray for guidance from your Spirit as to who these people are. Place them within our hearts and within our minds. Open our eyes to see these people so that we know, yes, this is the direction we need to go. 
And as a church, as we continue to move in these directions, as we continue to look for a way to minister to these people, I pray, God, that you might help us to trust you, to trust that even though the direction we might find ourselves going doesn't make sense or is in an unknown environment, that it will bring about greater fruit than if we stayed in the current direction. And I ask that you help us as we learn to pray not just as we start in these new directions, but as we continue to live and move in these directions, that you might help guide us so that we know that we are ministering to the right people, going in the right direction to help bring forth your kingdom. Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray that you give us continued direction as we look to serve your mission and our communities. Shape us through failure. Lead us into new directions and help us to trust in our doubt. Reaffirm our need for prayer and show us the power of your mighty hand. Amen. I now send you out into your communities to make Christ-like disciples. Go. You are dismissed.